Good Sunday morning. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. I'm Kate Doherty with the sparkly Keely Reger. My oh, I'm sparkly you today. You are sparkly this morning. You know what? I think next show I'm going to start out so I can give you an adjective. Oh, no. I don't know that I would like the adjectives <laughs> that you would apply <laughs> to. That's true. <laughs> Remember, I'm your person. You are my person. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. And, and to our listeners, I'm so excited this morning because actually we have... Um, Ricky Sabia on the phone uh, and uh, joining us, and I'm so delighted. She is the Senior Education Policy Advisor for the National Down Syndrome Congress, and we've never had her on the show before, Keely. It is exciting. I love having new people on. Yeah. They bring a new flavor. I love it. Well, and while she may be new to the show, she's certainly not new to her amazing work um, in the field of disability awareness and advocacy. And so, Ricky, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? And again, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, and thank you for that very nice introduction. Well, um, I started out with my law degree back in the 80s, and I was always interested more in advocacy work than I was in working for a law firm or anything like that. And I was going down the road of more patient advocacy and bioethics, working at NIH, and then I had my son with Down syndrome in 1992. And just, you know, the struggles that I experienced trying to get him the education I felt he deserved um, made me get more involved in my uh, local district and being on a lot of committees. And that's when I started getting involved in education policy locally and state and eventually on the federal level. And then where I have been for quite a long time and he's now 27 so yeah it's been a long time and you know of course when we work on these things we don't necessarily get the changes we need for our kids because it takes a while but it is always so hard to think of not changing it for the next group to come along oh I love that you said that that is huge and you know you're probably the mom that everyone wanted because you not only had the drive to make change, but you had kind of had the degree to back it up. So you're like, I know what I'm talking about. But, you know, that's so crucial to set that pace and that pattern for creating change for others. Well, you know? And I want to make it clear because I think parents sometimes think, well, I'm not a lawyer. I can't do this. Oh, I mean, yes. Nothing in law school prepared me for this. There was nothing on disability law in any of the courses I took. When I started, what I knew is what I knew from IEPs and advocating for my own child Mm -hmm. and the only thing really that I think being a lawyer helped me on is just attention to detail you know really being able to look at words and say you know what these words mean and if it's an and or if it's an or or a may or a shall or you know that sort of thing Um, but you know I just never want people to think that oh well you know you can't advocate successfully for your child or do state local or even federal advocacy if you don't have a law degree. Oh, that's a that really good point. not necessary. Yes. It was just, you know, my arc. Basically. Gotcha. No, thank you for making that point because I think you are spot on. Yeah. Well, and, and Ricky, so I, when you were talking, I kind of got, my hair was standing up on my arms just because it made, you make my heart very happy. And I feel like on, on behalf of all of us who have uh, younger children coming, coming through, you know, following your footsteps, um, there's a huge thank you 
to you and all, um, I call you guys the first moms. I don't know if you knew this, but <laughs> if you have an adult living, you know, who's, who's 27 or older with Down syndrome, um, you know, I'm so incredibly grateful because the possibility. And of course, I follow in the footsteps of bigger giants like Madeline Will mm-hmm. and Stephanie Lee and others who, or I came along on the scene, had laid the groundwork for anything that I'm able to do now. So, you know, for, for each of us, those moms, especially in the first generations where they said, no, I'm taking my child home from the hospital, um, who really started thinking about, okay, how do we make sure that our child has a quality life and that starts with quality education. And, you know, Madeline Will, of course, was assistant secretary of education during a time where she was pushing the regular education initiative, which was the first time anyone even talked about the idea of having our kids included in general education classrooms. It was a big deal that they were even allowed to go to school, period, Mm -hmm. um, at that point. And without all that groundwork and also about, um, you know, having um, supported employment was also something she began. It's, uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think for our listeners, I think that's something that I feel like is really important that they that they understand as far as your work, because if you haven't if you haven't heard of Ricky Sabia before, which unfortunately, you know, I'm you know, I'm sure there are some listeners who like, what are they talking about? Senior education policy advisor. Well, there's this thing called universal design of learning, and it's a really beautiful thing for hashtag every child mm-hmm. and um she actually founded and co-chaired the national udl uh task force and she's a member of the national udl council because one of the things that ricky is extremely passionate about is about inclusive education and and i think it's important for our listeners to understand especially living in our area because for our listeners I'm sorry, we're very much not where we need to be yet um, as far as doing what we need to do for hashtag every child because we haven't fully embraced the universal design of learning. Because when you truly embrace the structure, every child is getting what they need. And I know that that's possible because I'm lucky enough to be able to see it in action. And when you get to see this, um, it the results and the data, Ricky, the data backs up that UDL helps all kids, correct? Right. Well, that's, I mean, the, the thing is, the data is a hard thing with UDL because UDL is a framework. It's how you look at delivering education. And so, you know, it's not this finite thing that is very easy to measure. But um, but certainly the principles and the guidelines under underpinning that framework have all have research-based and evidence-based and and the rest and there's certainly lots of anecdotal evidence that and they're building more of a research basis now the uh, national udl irn which is the implementation research network that is working on you know this database and and more the research folks getting involved in it um but my my interest in it came at a time that my son Steve was in, going to middle school, and we had successfully included him all in elementary school, um, and you know, with me tr- trying to come up with these different things that would help him. And when we got to middle school, I saw you know they really didn't want him. It was going to be a fight. You know, the material was harder. How are we going to make this work for him? And I've been trying to explain to 
you know, people at the middle school, like how we did this. We brought in different materials. We did this. We did that. Um, and when I went, Madeline and Stephanie, actually Madeline and Stephanie Lee, uh, told me I really needed to meet these people at Chaos, uh, who were the ones that developed UDL, and I went up there. And when they started talking about this framework, you know, I, I always say it's sort of like in Snow White when the birds start singing and the sun comes out. <laughs> Just this is it. This is what I've been trying to do and been trying to articulate, but didn't have the words and the framework on how to communicate this and how to build it out in a way that wasn't just one teacher by one teacher. Mm-hmm. And so we, yeah, from that point on, I used the principles of UDL in trying to develop Stephen's IEP and trying to bring in you know, various multiple means of representing information, multiple means for him to express what he knows, you know, multiple means of engagement, the three principles of UDL, um, trying to show them that, you know, if you ask him to show his knowledge in a certain way that does not work for his disability, then what you're going to know, you're not going to know what he knows about the topic. You're going to know that he can't, you know, do a big open-ended paragraph, but you're not going to know what he knows about mm-hmm. the topic area. And this was all really helpful to me. And I really felt it not only helped him, but helped other students in the class because every classroom is diverse. He was even in honors classes um, where, you know, you got to modify the material anyway. So he was in honors classes where he had more friends and it just so happened. And, you know, you had kids who were, you know, needed more enrichment that were, who weren't getting mm-hmm. it. You needed, it had kids like him that needed more support. And how does one teacher do all that? And the UDL, and some teachers I saw were basically doing UDL. They just didn't know that's what it was called. Um, and it was really helpful to me personally. So this is where I felt, you know, this is sort of this is the, one of the answers, I think, the how do you include kids? How do you make it meaningful without killing the teacher? And what, what is the framework for that? And that's when we were going through a time where there were a lot of different organizations that often worked against each other on things like the teachers' unions didn't always agree with the parents of kids with disabilities, and this group was working at counterpurposes with that group for various aspects of IDA, but found this was one thing that a lot of these groups agreed on, and we could pull together at least on this issue, well, let's... Um, which was very powerful, and we ultimately got up to 45 members of that coalition. And we're able, UDL was never in the law before that point, and we're able to get it into the Higher Ed Act and a definition and later into the Every Student Succeeds Act in 2015 and to really get UDL in, in some of the grants and, um, you know, policies at the national level. And then the next step was kind of taking a step back and creating a, a trying to get a bill passed in my state where we would do something around UDL, and we ended up, what we could achieve was a task force, and we brought people together on that task force and ultimately got regulations around UDL in our state. So, you know, that this is where I feel what I learned from Steve and really felt it would help other people because doing it just one child at a time in a classroom, it's not the same as systemically because you're still limited by what the teacher has available to them. If you do UDL on a systems level, then when you're designing the curriculum, the objectives and the way you portray what's expected of a student is going to be more open-ended. Instead of saying, you know, we'll do a five-page report and, you know, do a 
public speaking exercise without no courts or however specific they get, you could say they will demonstrate their knowledge, you know, of this these content standards, and it leaves it much more open-ended for the teachers to be able to work with. And then also when they're picking materials, which often happens at a state and district level, that they're thinking about, well, what materials are going to work for the widest range of users instead of picking materials that are not going to be, they're all text without any digital background or whatever it may be, and then picking that and then saying, oh, you know what, that doesn't work for this kid in my class. So now what do I need to do? So it just, not that you don't still individualize for students who have an IEP, but if the the regular class is already considering all in the wide range of learners, then you've got that much done already before you have to then say, well, now we have to go a little further. Yeah, you know, and Ricky, when we come back from break, I want to talk about this because universal design of learning also makes it, I believe it makes from a teacher standpoint, from as a classroom teacher, I believe it makes it easier for me as well. So this is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. We'll be right back with Ricky Sabia. Don't you think it's time for a financial advisor who takes time to explain things? Brad Kurz, your local Edward Jones financial advisor, does. Investing can seem complicated. That's why he takes time to listen, understands your needs, and explains without jargon. Experience the Edward Jones difference. Contact Brad today, 573-221-1302. That's 221-1302. Making time to take time. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Branching Out LLC, a premier lawn and landscaping service that can meet all your residential and commercial needs. Regardless of the season, Branching Out offers a service for maintenance-free outside living. Branching Out takes the time to listen to your needs and ensure it's done correctly the first time. If you're not satisfied, Branching Out is not satisfied. To contact Branching Out, call 573-501-0760 or visit them at www.branchingoutllc.com. I learn, I speak, I care. Hashtag every child. Downcountry. Because every child is a gift. Every child can learn. And every child learns differently. Up at downcountry.com. Up at downcountry.com. Or call 217-617-3568. 217-617-3568. Or visit Downcountry on Facebook or Twitter. Hashtag every child. Welcome back. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. I'm Kate Doherty with my co-host Keely Rager. And we're delighted to have the amazing Ricky Sebia with us today. She is the Senior Education Policy Advisor for the National Down Syndrome Congress. And she, in addition to being fabulous, is also the mother of an adult son who happens to be 27 years old, rocking an extra chromosome. And she's really led the way, um, both from a mom and a personal standpoint, and from a policy advisor. And one of the things before we went on break we were talking about was the framework of the universal design of learning. And um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to toss out here is there's a fallacy that, you know, oh, this is so hard, inclusive education is so hard. But one of the things, my perspective as a teacher, is that this universal design of learning framework actually makes things so much easier for all of us. And Ricky, you talked about setting the structure first. You want to kind of unwrap that, how it's it, how it makes it easier when you set up the structure when you're planning the curriculum, correct? Correct. So 
you know, universal design for learning, if it's something that's just dumped on the teacher, is, you know, can be difficult, although it's still... I think is easier than differentiating child by child. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're planning what you're doing in the classroom and you're thinking of all the students from the beginning and how to structure a lesson, and it's really good teaching, and there are a lot of teachers already doing a lot of it. They just may not realize that's what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's even easier for the teachers and better overall if this is done in a systemic way at the state and, and the district level, especially wherever the curriculum is developed, so that when they develop the curriculum, when they're writing what the objectives are and what standards are, that they're making them open-ended enough that they're not already limiting the teachers and limiting the students to doing things a certain way. And we know that educators are always saying we need more flexibility. Well, that's what UDL is about. It's about providing flexibility and letting educators look at their classrooms and saying, okay, you know, I need to get them to learn these things. I need to get them to show me what they know on these things. But I get to have flexibility on how I do that based on what I know about the students in my class and that it's already built in to the curriculum, that flexibility, and also built in in terms of what resources and materials I have access to where I have access to a lot more options for materials to teach this lesson and not just this textbook. I also have digital. I may also have a movie if it's a, if it's a, a novel that we're reading. I you know, may have access and I know how to find and where to get various um, resources. I have No Fear Shakespeare that has the old English on one side of the page and the modern language on you know, the other side. Um, various resources available to me or how to find them to bring into my classroom. And I don't have to just say, okay, I've got this curriculum and I've got these materials and they don't work for various reasons for my English language learners in the classroom, for my kids with disabilities in the classroom, for, you know, even I don't have enough enrichment for these kids who um, need it. And now what am I supposed to do? And I have to go out and buy things myself or I need to just create all this all by myself. And it really can, you know, it can really make, I think, things easier in my school district where they were, they've been working on UDL for a while. They had something called UDL Share where teachers would put up, you know, based on grade level and unit materials that they had created um, so that there's a lot of different options for people to have on how they can present what's going on in the classroom, you know, based on the student's they see that year in their class because my oldest son is a fourth grade general ed teacher and every year it's different how you teach hopefully because you're looking at who are the kids in your class mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know this year and I've seen for him knowing about UDL from growing up in this house because um, we used it you know from everything from how we play games in the car on a car ride mm -hmm. to whatever we did on our trips you know he innately understands this and it has really helped him as a teacher in his work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've seen it firsthand, and, and he, he definitely thinks it makes it easier. So I, I think it's just sort of a fallacy. I think they have so many initiatives thrown at them that they feel like, oh, this is just another thing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at UDL as a framework and the other mm -hmm. initiatives are different tools in the toolbox 
of the multiple means of representation, multiple means of expression, multiple means of engagement, mm-hmm. and, and it's giving teachers more flexibility, you know, as long as they get the result in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they really understood that. And another thing that we get pushed back on, we got pushed back in my state when we were trying to do the bill, is that you hear, they hear the word curriculum, and a lot of people think that UDL is telling them what to do with the curriculum you know, in terms of content. Mm-hmm. But it's not defining content. It can be used with any content. It's how you deliver that content. Yeah. And if you're and how a, you find out if the student is learning that content. Yeah. And if you're a teacher or an administrator and you're listening to the show today, or maybe you're a community member and you have questions about this, uh, the National Down Syndrome Congress has a policy and advocacy page. And you can go to that page and you can like it, right, Ricky? And they, or even, or you can just send a message through that mm-hmm. page. Um, you, can, you can like it. You can send a message. Um, if, it, if there's something specifically around UDL, there are good websites for the www.udlcenter.org. Mm-hmm. Um, they are creating a new initiative that they're in the process of, which is a credentialing and certification initiative where they will be creating a, a separate website that houses a lot of these materials, and districts and schools and teachers will be able to get credentials or certification based on you know following a certain rubric and showing what they know about UDL in various ways, because, of course, you've got to do that in a UDL way. And it, we're hoping it will be a voluntary way to scale up that teachers and districts and schools will want to be you know, have a UDL credential, a UDL certification, and it will um, will help in scaling things up more. And that, if you Google or use your search engine for, say, UDL CCI, you can find more information about that. Well, and the nice thing for this is, um, before we go break, on break, the nice thing with with this is also, I think, what people don't understand is whether you're a parent of a child with a disability or a parent of a quote-unquote whatever typical kiddo is. I haven't met too many typical kids, but um, uh, because they're all they're all unique and, and beautiful in their own right. But the piece of this is, is if you have a district who begins to fully embrace the UDL framework, I feel like from a parent perspective, I feel like it encourages greater partnership between parents yes, and, we and te- teacher. Well, we testified for this uh, in our state. You know, we were, a lot of us were talking about, we have a child who has needs you know, for support, but we also have a child that needs more enrichment, and mm-hmm. it benefits both of our, our children, and it benefits English learners. It benefits anybody, that's, especially the people in the margins, you know, that whose needs aren't being met in the classroom because, you know, people are just teaching down the middle, that this helps them see how do you bring all those students in, you know, to the mix. How do you reach and, everybody? And it's not about teaching each one, differentiating for everyone separately. Mm-hmm. It's about how do I incorporate in one lesson, right. you know, some information this way, some information this way. How do I give the students choices mm-hmm. about what, you know, how they show what they know or, you know, what book level that they're ready to read instead of, you know, tracking everybody and helping them learn about their strengths and their needs and what they need to be successful it also builds stronger learners and makes them more successful later because they understand more about what they need. Yeah, and, and I, I could listen to Ricky all day, but we're going to take a break. So this is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. We'll be right back. Don't you think it's time for a financial advisor who takes time to explain things? 
Brad Kurz, your local Edward Jones financial advisor, does. Investing can seem complicated. That's why he takes time to listen, understands your needs, and explains without jargon. Experience the Edward Jones difference. Contact Brad today, 573-221-1302. That's 221-1302. Making time to take time. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Branching Out LLC, a premier lawn and landscaping service that can meet all your residential and commercial needs. Regardless of the season, Branching Out offers a service for maintenance-free outside living. Branching Out takes the time to listen to your needs and ensure it's done correctly the first time. If you're not satisfied, Branching Out is not satisfied. To contact Branching Out, call 573-501-0760 or visit them at www.branchingoutllc.com. I learn, I speak, I care. Hashtag every child. Down country. Because every child is a gift. Every child can learn. And every child learns differently. Up at downcountry.com. Up at downcountry.com. Or call 217-617-3568. 217-617-3568. Or visit Down Country on Facebook or Twitter. Hashtag every child. Welcome back, listeners. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. And I'm, this is Kate Doherty with Keely Rager. We've had Ricky Sabia on, and on break, just so you know, she's the Senior Education Policy Advisor for the National Down Syndrome Congress. We already told her she's got to come back on the show because we've had such a great time with her today mm-hmm. and, and in discussing universal design of learning. But I want to turn this over to Ricky real quick. Um, because there's some really important things that we'd like to tie in before we have to go today. Yes, thank you. So universal design for learning is a very important concept and and a tool in the how do you include students with disabilities. And, And even more, even if your child isn't in a regular education class, how do you provide better um, education wherever that child setting is? But it's also important to see it in the context of the larger policies, federal policies that apply. I think most of your listeners will know about IDA and understand that's important and that you know UDL, even though it's not really talked about in IDA yet, um, it is still an important concept in order to implement the LRE, Least Restrictive Environment, provisions and other provisions that are in IDA. I also wanted to mention a law that fewer people who have children with disabilities are um, that knowledgeable about, and that's the Every Student Succeeds Act. It is the elementary and secondary education law that is for all students in the country, including students with disabilities. I think it's a very, very important law because, you know, it is about all kids, and we're part of that as opposed to a separate law. And the two laws together, and we call it ESSA, E-S-S-A is its nickname, um, is very important because it's where the accountability is. It's, you know, IDA is more about what happens with your individual child, but ESSA is more about the system and what's expected of the system and the performance that's expected for all students include with, with special focus on certain subgroups, including students with disabilities. And so if you want your system to move forward and the impetus to do things like UDL, and by the way, UDL is mentioned in ESSA, um, you need to have that accountability. And so the two laws working together are really important. 
So, and each state has its own ESSA implementation plan. So I just want to urge your listeners to, although it's obviously very important, to be concerned and follow up on anything that is sent out, action alerts, whatever, around IDEA, that the Every Student Succeeds Act and the information being put out about that is, in my opinion, equally important because no matter how well we advocate for our individual child, if the system is not where we need it to be, we hit a wall. And so we need to be working on both things simultaneously. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. All right. So, gosh, for the listeners, I just, I'm Kate sitting caught up in listening to you, and I did too. So I, we were caught off guard. Sorry, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. And, well, and what our listeners don't know is Mr. Elliott's joined us in studio today. And so um, kind of listening to you, Ricky, talk makes me a little teary because um, just because the work that you do is so important for hashtag every child and for our listeners please again you can um, like the NDSC policy and advocacy page you can reach out to Rickley directly via email at ricky at ndscenter.org and that's ricky with a c-k-i um, you can contact down country and we will hook you up and she truly is an amazing woman and we are so blessed to have had you on the show today ricky thank you and Thank you. And you can become a member of the National Down Syndrome Advocacy Coalition. Oh, there you go. I, it, so you know what? Other well, facts will probably be talking. <laughs> I can't you, wait. Elliot there you go. You. And yeah. next week we're going to have Heather Sachs on the show. So anyway, so exciting. And um, Elliot, do you want to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. But but the towel in it. All right. Say, have a. Everyone. Can you say? Everyone. All right. Thank you, everyone. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. See you next Sunday.